0: Welcome to Expand Storytelling. I'm Chelsea Bay, and I'm passionate about seeing the magic that's right in front of me and inspiring others to see and feel it too. Expand is a storytelling event featuring individuals who choose to live for their everyday. How they came to find the little things that make them come alive and how they continue to expand their being from right here expand over contract now over someday love over fear joy over success never arriving always expanding lizzie lane in her own words says i have a passion for all things holistic health energetic healing and grounding spiritual growth, which I offer through my roles as a registered nurse, certified hypnotherapist, and Reiki practitioner. But my biggest inspiration is getting funky free as a student of the lifelong art of myself. The neon thread that weaves through my day-to-day is dancing whenever the moment calls. It's the space and expression that feels like home. I also feel most alive with a hot glue gun in hand, a baking bowl on the counter, or a fresh hiking trail underfoot. Here's Lizzie's story from the March 2023 event in Traverse City, Michigan.
1: (laughs) From a young age, I had a sense that there was something really big going on in my life that I had yet to figure out. I was an empathic kid, really sensitive to emotion. I tended to be the peacemaker amongst three other siblings. For a long time, I was also afraid of a lot of things that many kids my age weren't, and it made me cautious. The kindest dogs, diving off the dock in the summer, the bunnies at Caroline's first grade birthday party, getting into trouble, I was the straight A student who once wrote an undercover article for the sixth grade newspaper about what it would be like to be in detention, what it was like to be in detention. I actually put myself (laughs) in detention to write this article. (laughs) But one of my deepest fears as a kid, which was sponsored by my Catholic upbringing, which I am very grateful for, was this visceral fear of the calling. At some point in my life, I just knew God, the man in the sky, was going to pop out of the clouds of heaven and say, Lizzie. (laughs) And God had this like baritone kind of sexy voice. Be a nun. (laughs) And I would have no choice. I mean, you can't say no to God. So I would have to march straight into that nunnery. And I pictured myself in like a black and white habit, like Sister Act. I probably watched that too many times, with dread in my core. I I just knew. But as funny as that sounds, it's kind of what drove me to where I am today, and I'm I'm not a nun. <laughs> and no one ever pushed me towards vocation. I was just aware of this pull to be of service for as long as I can remember. Eventually, I got over the Sister Act thing, um, but that existential calling of something bigger remained. I spent years of high school, of college, followed by nursing school, trying to find that outside of myself. What is my purpose? Why am I here? The existential angst in my 20s, what is the meaning of my life? Why am I alive? What am I supposed to do? I tried to find it in classrooms, in volunteering, in workshops, certifications, and the fears grew up too. The bunnies became self-doubt. Insecurity that everyone else had something figured out that I hadn't figured out yet. I became obsessed at one point with the concept of my bio. I would read the bios of people that I looked up to and what would, what would my bio read? How did that person get from there to here? What was their pivot? What was that aha moment? What credentials did they have? What certifications? And in how many ways did I fall short? On the outside, this was studies and work in childbirth, Reiki, healing arts, spiritual explorations, and eventually into nursing in my attempt to ground myself and start a career path in service. There was a pivotal moment for me in nursing school when I decided that to make it through without compromising who I was, I had to redefine success for myself. I was tired of comparing my journey to anyone else's, and I I knew I wasn't there to get good grades or get a good internship. I was here to grow. The pressures and stresses of academic life can be drenching, and so I told myself that success would mean staying above water. If I could dance every day, then I was successful. Dancing has always been the place that feels most like home. It's nothing professional. I just grew up in uh kitchen dancing with my family washing the dishes and, you know, the wackier the better. So, in choosing nursing, I was also having an identity crisis. In my white uniform, I felt like this hippy dippy rainbow sheep in a school of like focused rams. <laughs> this wasn't my purpose. Like I knew it wasn't my purpose, but I still found comfort in having attaining these letters after my name. But it's hard to get out of bed in the morning when you don't know who you are. So I started what I called wake up and dance. I made myself turn on a song and move and groove before I went out my door every morning. Because dancing was the best reason I could think of to get out of bed. Besides grades and the school and all that stuff. I felt more connected to myself and I made it very successfully through nursing school. I was fascinated by birth, and then, in a similar vein, by death. And hospice nursing felt like a great purpose. I could bring all of my heart and my lightness of being into this work. So here I was working in an inpatient unit in Baltimore, Maryland, helping people die, like Mother Teresa, yeah. (laughs) It was rewarding in so many ways, but most days I still felt pretty stuck. Felt like I was often trying to get through the day behind in life, I still hadn't figured it out, living a very small version of this, the sense that I saw, the self that I sensed was there. That changed four years ago when I met a patient I'll call Rich. Rich lived at the end of a long hallway in the inpatient unit for about three and a half months, which by our books was an eternity, especially for a patient so alert and oriented. Working with Rich, Working with Rich made most of us nurses groan. Holding court from his hospital bed or eating multiple ice cream cups on the commode, he would make the crudest comments. He would try to get me to bend over for the remote <laughs> and he had a temper. He had no friends or family to care for him, just an estranged son that we never met. It was one day that I took report on Rich. I was working the night shift. He was actively dying. It it happened pretty suddenly. One day, he was grinning behind yellow teeth. And the next, it was the open mouth death rattle. And I remember that night when I made my 9 o'clock round to his room at the end of that hallway that I was so busy. I had six other patients who needed timely medication and care. There were families who needed support. And I was about to leave his room as I had finished my tasks when my inner sense of knowing, my intuition kind of piped in and it said this would be the last time that I made rounds on him. And sure enough, as I turned around for another look, he started to take his last breaths. He was peaceful and he looked comfortable, although anyone not used to watching the labor of death might disagree. And again, my intuition told me that he didn't want to be alone. In hospice, we know that the process of dying can often mirror the life lived. Some people love company and want to be with loved ones. Some prefer solitude. Some can hold on way past the end of their body's rope. Rich did not want to be alone and I could sense it. It was in that moment that I realized that nothing else could be as important as this moment right now, right here, so I sort of took off my nursing cap and the 20 other things that I had to be doing in that very moment. And I took his hand, clammy and sweaty and swollen and smelly in mine. And yes, the smells of the dying are the part that I miss the least about hospice. And I was present. And over a few minutes, I watched all 350 pounds of him take his last breaths as he gave me one of the quietest, most spectacular gifts I have ever received. As if watching like heat waves from the pavement of a hot open road, I watched his life force or whatever it was in almost these silver-like waves gently exit his body rising up and disappearing beyond the ceiling. I had never seen anything like it. Yet I was so overcome by a sense of serenity that this was a perfect moment. It felt wildly confirming. I wasn't behind in life or lost or off the path. I had simply arrived and I was right on time. I checked my watch to document the time of death, and I went back to shift. (laughs) And as I processed what had just happened in the days and months to come, I kept it to myself for a good while. Would anyone think I was crazy? But moreover, how do I put words to an experience that contained everything? It was incredible, indescribable, and mine. It was this part, this place that no one else could see or know or touch. And life had been asking me to come home to that place of inner knowing, again and again. And now death had me listening. My purpose, I understand from, I understood from this soft landing in that hospice room is not to be a nurse or whatever other work I found to come after that, but to be fully present, as me. Purpose, I came to find out, is a state of being. I remember I started dancing my way through the parking lot to my car in the mornings after that hospice graveyard shift and every other one to come. Here I am, I twerked, I'm alive. (laughs) In this precious, finite breath of existence. Going back into the routine of the everyday after witnessing the greatest mystery of life, I was fundamentally reoriented, although change was not immediate. But I was on and continuing now deepening this journey of turning the shoulds and all those out, tuning out the the shoulds and the outside voices and tuning into my own. I left that job And I left the city, and I came here for slower living, for more intentional living. I worked a few more years as a nurse in case management. And along the way, I found hypnotherapy. And now I was ready for it. The medicine of the journey, the medicine of presence, of arriving at self-discovery, guided completely by you. It was not even a year ago that I was ready to continue my expansion of purpose and left nursing altogether to be on my own, to continue listening. So this misplaced longing for something greater that I felt as a kid, that bigness that I had been seeking, it's clearly not in a convent or in a profession or in a bio, Um, it's right here in my own jet stream So my days now, I live for greeting the buds on the trees outside my kitchen, going for dance runs with my headphones, hosting Bad Art Club just to make stuff, doing wake-up-and-dance with friends, and typewriting Valentine's poems for strangers, attending Leanda's twerk classes. I serve food. I do hypnotherapy. I find a way to dance on the off days and listen harder on the harder days when the fears come up. And I trust that in following what fascinates me and doing these little things and committing to myself and to presence that I will be of service and that I am of service. I return to this memory with Rich often. It was in witnessing his strangely graceful exit that I felt a culmination of everything I knew to be true. That we're all energy that death is never the end, that being alive is total cosmic humor, and that everything in my life up until then had led me there, a small miracle that I surely would have missed if I hadn't listened to my intuition, if I hadn't slowed down and been present. So I don't live in every moment, I don't live every moment in continuous presence, and I, I don't live every day like it's my last. That's... Way too much pressure and I can't eat nine beans pastries every day. (laughs) But I'm getting better and better and better at catching myself and letting others catch me too when I miss the miracle that is being alive. The magic that is everything, everywhere, all at once. (laughs) It's a great movie if you haven't seen it. There is a, a line that I love by Sixto Rodriguez the musician and he's doing a cover of a song, I'm Gonna Live Till I Die. And he he has kind of a raspy voice. He's like, age, age, there's only one age. Either you're alive or you're not. So this is what I've come to understand. There's no race, there's no someday arrival, there's no age-related benchmarks. Our own death is imminent. Resistance is futile. <laughs> Celebration is mandatory. So what is today but an open canvas to express and challenge and grow and expand and feel and spread joy? And what is now but a perfect moment? And that makes me wanna dance. <laughs> And I think that's the best way to finish this evening is with a little groove, wanna hit it.